Hi, it's Leon Dolan, and my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical, is out now and available everywhere. People Magazine chose it as an April pick of the month, one of the best this week, a hopeful take on commitment, they said, and an innovative story about marriage. Mmm, sounds juicy. The Marriage Sabbatical, out now, available everywhere. We are the Satellite Sisters. Not every conversation will change your life, but any conversation can. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm here in Santa Monica, California today with my two sisters, Julie Dolan. You're in Dallas, Texas. How's everything there? Liz, it's good here. You know what? Today, I mailed off the first of my Valentines. I think this is going to be a big year for Valentines this year. I'm going to send a lot of love out there. So I got. I thought you were going to say tax returns, and no, I was. Going no, to be, no, I was no. going to be so mad if you had already done your taxes. No, no way, no way. Valentines first. I have my priorities. Uh, yes, good thinking. Okay, Leon Dolan. I am uh, here in Pasadena, California, Liz. Uh, this is going to be. We have a lot to talk about this week. A lot happening in the world. We're going to talk about that. We lost Mary Tyler Moore last week. That was a shock to my system. But there's some unbelievable breaking Mary Tyler Moore news we want to tell you about, uh, particularly of interest to, I don't know, our siblings. To our and, family. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, I have never felt closer to Mary Tyler Moore. <laughs> Julie, you, you're bringing some tidbits. And you know what? Tidbits. We need some tidbits today. So we're glad that you're bringing them. Um, of course, Super Bowl this weekend. I got a Super Bowl pick. Uh, and I got a salad bowl pick. So I got those two things. And then, okay, <laughs> seriously, sisters, I am doing something on Saturday that I have not done for 35 years. And mm. I have not even wow. mentioned this to you. It's been in the works for a while. So I'm going to reveal all the end of the show. Wow. Got to stay tuned. All right. That's exciting. I'm yeah. tempted to cut to the chase, but. but nope, nope. We got to wait. Got to wait. We do have, we have a lot guess. to cover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, yesterday the, you know, the three of us had a conversation, you know, it's funny. I'll talk about our conversation in a second, but do my, my horoscope yesterday when I read it in the LA times said this, it said, everything ends, take a breath and move one step forward. Whoa, <laughs> wow. That's deep. Don't you think? Yeah. One of those cheesy, cheesy newspaper horoscopes. Yeah. Remember it good. So yes. I just decided to take that on board, take a breath and move one step forward. So, but it's kind of what we did as a group yesterday. You know, obviously we do a lot of planning about the show and about Satellite Sisters and what we're doing and when we're doing it and how we're doing it all the time, things that you don't hear on the actual show. So, so yesterday we had one of those phone conversations scheduled, but once we actually got on the phone with each other, it felt like more like time to, to talk about what we're actually doing to just to remind ourselves what is our mission why do we do this what why did we start this in the first place why are we still doing this show every week and uh so we ended up having a fairly deep conversation i would say wouldn't you agree yes yes Liz. yeah i think it was profound i really do and emotional yeah mm -hmm. yeah it was emotional and I particularly had to take a breath and move, move one step forward. <laughs> Things end, Liz. Move step Things, forward. Things I, end. But, yeah. but as a result, all of us sort of went back to, I know it seems a little nutty to say that your favorite podcast has founding documents, but 
We actually do, because we have been doing this a long time. And when we started doing Satellite Sisters, we actually wrote down what we wanted to do, the goals of the show, the tone of the show. And so we thought we would start today by each of us sort of has a perspective on where we were then and where we are now, what's the same, what's different. And we thought we would just talk that through because why not? We were certainly struggling with how to talk about the news this week at a particularly divisive time. And for a show like ours where we feel like, you know, we never wanted to be a political talk show, but we do have things that we care deeply about out there in the world that we've been talking about for 15 years. And mm-hmm. has that bought us any kind of equity? And, and we, we didn't want things to go off the rails. And, and we don't want to do a show where people yell and scream at each other. But we also, you know, individually have had a lot of life experiences. We work hard on what we do. We pay attention to the world. And, and we have things we wanted to say. So it was interesting, Liz, that we all sort of went back to these mission statements we have. And, yeah. you know, I felt mm-hmm. uh, last week I was literally up uh, two nights last week not being able to sleep, thinking about sort of the combustion that was happening at the Facebook page. And it was happening on everyone's Facebook page, the group page there at Satellite Sisters, but it was deeply troubling. And uh, I felt like we just needed to post a statement like, this is how we roll, you know? We, we've we been doing this for 15 years. We've been on the air. We've been on the radio. We've been on podcasts. We've had magazine columns. We've done speaking. We've written books. And, and we have a way that we approach how we talk about things. So I went back to the old mission statement, and there it was, intelligence, respect, and sense of humor. And I feel like if people take a deep breath before they post anything and think, <laughs> Okay, does this cover those grounds? Fantastic. It doesn't mean you can't have a serious conversation, but it does mean that it's not a lot of one-off posts. So uh, I, I posted that on the Facebook group today, just restating sort of what our mission is, no matter where the Satellite Sisters logo is or the name Satellite Sisters. If it's the three of us talking or a Facebook group page, we'd like to abide by those three principles. You know, post with intelligence respect and a sense of humor you get a lot of bonus points for let's face it <laughs> so, <laughs> so i and i and i i you know would i i encourage you to read it before posting again but it definitely it was sort of a soul-searching time like what to do mm-hmm. how to talk about this how to talk about things we care about in a way that's not going to divide and we may not conquer but we don't want to divide Right. Yeah. I mean, we've gotten through some hard times before. We've been through, since we've been doing the show, we've been through two Bush administrations and two Obama administrations, right? Right. So we can do, and 9-11, and the financial collapse. We can do this, people. We can do it. Right. We can. Right. And we've always said right from the beginning that we're five real sisters. We have the same parents, but we have very different lives, you know, and that we have tried to emphasize the fact that we don't always agree on on things and we don't always see things the same way, but that we do it, as Leanne just said, with a lot of respect and empathy and hopefully with a sense of humor. And we were, you know, we were talking about that yesterday and it made me, when we finished talking, I got out uh, Dr. P.M. Forney. You may, if you're a longtime listeners to our podcast, will remember Professor Forney. He is, was our, is and always will be our envoy of civility because he wrote a small book in 2002 called The 25 Rules of Considerate Conduct. And that, you know, and I went back to reread that book and I was just really struck with the first four rules, which are number one, pay attention, 
I mean, we're not asking anyone to put their head in the sands or, you know, not to be informed, you know, but it is to look around the world to, you know, to really look at others. And number two was to acknowledge others that, uh, you know, he used to always say in a very simple way that when you go to the grocery store, that you stop and look the checker or the bagger right in the eyes and thank them for their work and thank them for their service is a simple example he gave. But I think we now more than ever, we all need to do that. Number three, his third rule was think the best. You know, I think that's good. We all yeah. should do that. I should do that more for, for you know, and that's we'll hard. <laughs> yes, it is hard. It is very hard. Wait, okay? about everyone? About everyone? <laughs> Yes, Lincoln. Okay. okay. So, okay, we can work on it. Okay, we just uh, we're you know we haven't achieved perfection. Number four, listen. You know, really listen. Okay, we, you know, that's um, you know we try to do this on the podcast. We try to really listen to each other, and I think we all need to do more listening. But the rule that really struck me, and you can look at his book, was rule number ten, which is to respect others' opinion. Now, he said that this was really hard. He wrote that it's part of a larger attitude of respect. It's a respect for the whole person. And I think it's been, I think it's easy, you know, we all do it, not to respect the whole person. Uh, And he said it's not an easy art. It requires self-esteem on your part, self-control, sensitivity, tolerance, fairness, and generosity. Um, And he also said that you show great disrespect to others by calling people's ideas crazy or stupid or worthless. Okay. That's true. It is. That's true. You know, it feels good sometimes. It feels good. But I mean, right. But that's what Facebook is for, Julie. That's what it's supposed to be for. Well, that's the problem with social media. It's all, that's what it rewards. Yes, it's showing disrespect. And he wrote wrote this book in 2002, before Facebook had really exploded the way it has now. And he said that presumptive sharing is really a form of bullying. That if you're in a situation, either on Facebook or in a social situation, and you just assume everyone will react the same way, that's an incredibly insensitive thing to do Mm -hmm. because it means for the other person that they have a choice. They either have to disrupt whatever is the harmony that has been achieved in that social setting and that group and that work group on Facebook, or they have to be frustrated and not respond, or in fact, they may be intimidated by your assumption. And he said it's a form of bullying. You know, and I, I was, I was just, I had forgot, I had, you know, reread that and I thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe how true that seems now. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's not saying that you shouldn't present your opinion, but what he was saying that is most helpful for civil discussion is to present your opinion as your opinion. Okay. Mm-hmm. You have right. to make room for disagreement. You have to invite feedback. And, uh, and he said, among the most civil utterances of all times is the simple, humble, smart question, what do you think? Hmm. Oh. Hmm. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Sometimes You might want to do all that on your own Facebook page, though. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Or, but just even in person, yeah. you know, no, like I know. When you what have do you think? Yeah. I just, right. I, you know, yeah. it's not just for Facebook, yes. it's in social settings right. as well. 
you know, to really ask people what they think. So anyway, that's just, I was, I'm going to try to practice some of this. I'm sure I won't achieve all of this, but that's what I'm going to try to do. Good, good goal. Again, going back to the fundamentals of Satellite Sisters. So I went back and I read our original home truths, which again, this is stuff that we wrote down, you know, like 20 years ago. Right. When we were sitting in a sitting in a mud bath, figuring out like, well, if we were going to do this, what do we really believe? Why, why would we be doing this? And here are our home truths. And I think they're still true. Uh, The first is going through life with other people is a better way to go. We've always tried to be about that sense of connection. And Leanne, I'm sure you wrote this sentence because it's so great. Being someone's sister, mother, or friend is what gives meaning to our lives. So we still believe that. That's number one at Satellite Sisters. Number two, Julie already mentioned it. Women learn from other women. We're not experts. We're just sisters. However, having said that, we, the sisters that you're listening to now on the podcast, We do read, we discuss, we explore, we research. We don't share inflammatory stuff we've read on Facebook or Twitter on the show. We talk about the places we've been. We talk about women we've met. We talk about experiences we've had. So we talk about our own learning. It's not knee-jerk reaction to random things. So, you know, everybody loves a good Facebook headline, but, you know, (laughs) (laughs) And we got a few coming up later on in the show. Uh, (laughs) But, you know, you know what I mean about the quality of information that we share. We we work on that. It's it's the things that we know about and we care about. Uh, The third home truth was what women do and think and say should not be dismissed as less important than the news of the day. And I think this is a particularly important one now because we've always extended this to mean sometimes we're speaking on behalf of other women who we believe are not being properly heard or do not have the voice that they that we would want them to have you know so sometimes we're not just bringing you our thoughts and opinions but we're you know bringing you new stories about other women particularly in other parts of the world that you wouldn't otherwise hear And so, you know, hashtag stay noisy is part of that, but also just trying to share what women's experiences are all over the world has been fundamental from us from the beginning. And then um, the last one was everybody needs a satellite sister, the person you turn to when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. And so I think that's why that's why civility is so important, has always Mm -hmm. been on our show and in all of the things we do. So as I was reading through this, like, Everything is about voice, right? Mm -hmm. Giving voice to what you're thinking about, what's important to you, the ability to be heard, which also, as Julie just said, extends to the ability, the commitment to listen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so that's it. Like, we wrote this down 20 years ago. We're still going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. You know? I know you think that everything in the world has changed, but like the mission of Satellite Sisters has not. So having said that, there are two things in the news that that I did want to talk about because they really have to do with listening to and seeing women in the world. Um, 
you know, the with there's a, a lot of news been, been coming out of the White House. And there there are two that got two things that got to me uh, in particular, um, you know, because one thing that that I get upset about is when I feel like the rich and the powerful people in the world are picking on the weakest and most vulnerable people in the world. So that's why the news that that the 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 gag order, the news that, you know, in the developing world, um, women will have less information about how to control their reproductive health. That really strikes me very deeply because I have spent time in that part of the world. And many of you longtime listeners will know that um, in 2004, I was in uh, Zambia uh, in Lusaka, which is the capital city of Zambia. And I was in, there's a huge slum that surrounds, um, almost all of these, these big cities in that part of the world. And so I was in a health clinic. It was part of a tour of Zambia that I was doing with a, with an NGO. And I was in a health clinic where, um, we, we walked into one room and a woman was delivering a baby. It was, you know, great that she had a relatively clean, place to go uh, and have someone there to help her to deliver a child. That woman was probably in her early 20s. And as I recall, this was her fifth child. So we saw part of the delivery. This was not fancy. There were no, there was no electricity in the room. There's no anything, but there was a, there was a clean table and a, someone to help her. And then we went to another part of the clinic where it was a big group of mothers there and they were being uh, educated in how to prevent mother to child transmission of HIV, you know, which is a huge issue, um, you know, throughout, well, throughout the world, but particularly in sub-Saharan Africa. And so, and then by the time we came out of that class, which was like an hour and a half or so, we walked out of that class and came back into the central part of the clinic. And the woman that we had just seen delivering a baby uh, when we walked in had strapped that baby to her chest and she was leaving the clinic and she was walking home. Mm. So these are incredibly important places for women in, in places where women are so vulnerable on so many levels, but particularly when it comes to their health and their family health. And so giving these women a place where they have some ability to have some control over their reproduction, reproductive health, it's just really fundamental to lifting them up at all. You know, we know from facts that when women have more control over their reproductive health, they have more economic opportunity, their kids have more educational opportunity, and their countries have more political stability. That is just a fact. And I remember as we were leaving the clinic and walking back to where our bus was taking us back to the central part of Lusaka, there were posters up around this big slum that would, that somebody explained to me were recruiting posters for Al-Qaeda. Like that would have been, you know, now it would be Boko Haram or, you know, or something else. But these things are all tied together. So I I do get upset when I think that that our government is now acting to take away just the very, very limited resources that women in this part of the world have. So I just wanted to say that <laughs> that's, because that's what Satellite Sisters believes in. Uh, you know, and the the other thing I wanted to mention, too, is the, uh, you know, when I look at the, the plight of the Syrian refugees, 
It's just I hope that we as a group, I know we have a lot to work out as a as a country and as the world, but to be hardened, I just don't want us to become hardened to people who have nothing. Yeah. Yeah, we got to get this. We got to get it right with them. Yeah. I know. They they have nothing. Yeah. They are fleeing. They have they have chemical weapons being dropped on them. They have barrel bombs being dropped on. They have nothing. Yeah. So just remember that when you think about who we are as the richest, most powerful nation in the world and what we can be doing for, let's just call it, because we're satellites, the women in these parts of the world that are so weak and so vulnerable. So that's, that's what I was thinking about when I reread the Home Truths and I thought like, okay, so what's at the top of the list to talk about this week? There you go. That's the top of my list. <laughs> well, you know, to me, it's that sense of connection that, you know, just you do you do when you do immerse yourself in the study of sort of what what women are going through around the world It is nothing like what women go through here in the United States. So having that tremendous sense of connection to look at the mothers trying to get their kids out of Syria, like, oh, my gosh, let's. Right. There's got to be something more than this. This is this right. is not the best of us. And it made me think like during the Iraq war, how we raised that money for a all female radio station uh, in Iraq. Remember that radio? radio yeah. And it yeah. was just uh, their transmitter had been blown up. Um, and so we we got this information. We were on ABC radio at the time. And and we realized like, that sense of connection for women is so vital, like hearing the voices. What are we supposed to do during this war? Where can we find food? Where can we find resources? This was a radio station for women by women in Iraq. And we thought, oh, okay, well, we can we can do something for them. And Satellite Sister listeners chipped in. Well, somehow we got them through ABC Radio. We got them a transmitter, and they started transmitting again. That Again, that sense of connection that's so hugely important, mm-hmm. just staying connected yeah. with other people and and remembering these are, you know, part of our mission statement was focusing on the day-to-day lives of women. And some of the issues that women have day-to-day, they're not headline news. And they're not easily, you know, signed away with a signature and a photo opportunity. They are trying to, you know, educate their children, get food, go get water, figure out some sort mm-hmm. of health care and family planning. These are very complicated kind of simple issues that aren't really sexy, but they make a huge difference in these women's day-to-day mm-hmm. lives. So, Yeah, it's interesting about the Radio Almohaba project because that one was literally about giving voice. Yeah. You know, right. these mm-hmm. women had things they wanted to say, and they just, they just wanted to have conversations with each other. It was right. a talk radio station where it was the only call-in station for women in all of the Middle East. So that's why we felt it was worth preserving. But sometimes people don't even have that. So occasionally we want to be their voice, which is which is all right, frankly, yeah. <laughs> after all these years. <laughs> all right. Okay. Having so we're said- going to keep talking. We're going to keep listening. Yeah. We're going to keep listening. We're And, you know, we're going to keep respecting others. That's I yes. think those are all good things. So having said that, you know, we are not driven by things – we read on Facebook every day. I would like to say that last night when I read, when somebody posted on my Facebook page that Mary Tyler Moore was buried with in the same cemetery as our mother and father, I was like, okay, now here's a Facebook headline worth sharing. <laughs> okay. 
I mean, that's just an amazing news story. Our parents, as you recall, four years ago, they died within weeks of each other. They are buried in our hometown in Fairfield, Connecticut. And, um, and then the it's news. It's a small cemetery. It's, it's, a, it's not, yeah. it's not a large cemetery. And right. I liked when they were reporting that Mary Tyler Moore was being buried there. They were struggling to find any other celebrity that might be there. And they could only come up with Jason Robards, Academy Award winning <laughs> actor who was one of our neighbors. He is buried there. And I felt like saying, how about Jim and Edna Dolan? Because they are there. <laughs> our uncle Tom is there. Quite, quite a few relatives are there. So um, our sister-in-law's dad is there and now mary tyler moore is there and i had to tell you that just made me so happy and it really made me laugh because i thought oh our father's just going to talk her ear off like whatever (laughs) whatever dinner parties happen in the middle of the night there which i totally believe happen um he's going to corner her and uh, you know and we're going to hear about it when we get there is what i think so he's finally (laughs) going to get his joan of arc play or movie or tv show produced later. Oh, yeah he's pitching her that and i would just like to encourage mary tyler moore fans who may be thinking of making a pilgrimage to fairfield connecticut to swing by jim and edna dolan i mean as long as you're there and just please do, it's bring, really going to increase traffic for yeah, mom and dad just yeah, please bring bittersweet when you yeah, come I, I know mom is just talking to mary about that <laughs> She always loved that Mary. I can hear mom saying, oh, I love that Mary. You know, oh, that Mary. Oh, I love that Mary. So the whole thing, it just, and the cemetery, it's such a hometown cemetery. When you go, you know all the other people in the cemetery. It's Mr. and Mrs. Blowey and the Mahoney's are there and Dr. Lagavera. And now Mary Teller Moore. It's just... I know. How did that happen? I just, it goes to show what a fictional character I thought she was. That I just assumed she was going to get buried in Minneapolis. <laughs> Wouldn't it? Yeah. It just, that was delightful. But I have to say last week when I heard the news, I, I came out of the dentist, you know, dental appointment, getting my teeth cleaning, no cavities, no root canals, was about as good as a dentist appointment as I've ever had. And I got the alert on my phone as I was making the appointment that said Mary Tyler Moore had died. I burst out oh. in crying in front of the dental, the, the dental office people. And they looked at me. I was like, Mary Tyler Moore died. I was really deeply affected by her yeah. death. And I, I don't know if it was just, I don't know what it was. The dental just, work? The, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the, the, I don't know what it was, Liz. But, I, you know, when I think about sort of actual, well, I, when I think about fictional characters that had an influence on me, as a young girl, there are only two. It's Mary Richards and Harriet the Spy. Like, those were the two. Like, I feel like I am what I am because of, you know, the, my four sisters. And some of you not even as much as Mary Richards, I have to say. <laughs> I'm not naming any names. But if I had to rank influences, Mary would be in, like, the third position, I think. And then, you know, and then and then Mary Richards. I mean, she was – that was an extraordinary character at an extraordinary time when if you're one of our younger listeners and we have them, you might not remember a time when there were no working women on television that we actually saw working. And she had a fabulous job and a fabulous apartment. And she was in her 30s and she wasn't looking for a husband. She wasn't looking for a man. She wore great clothes. She was funny. She was sassy. She had, you know, wacky Rhoda as her best friend. And I, I mean, she was just a complete woman on television. And that was unheard of at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, I just. That was first for sure. 
Yeah. She was she was a role model for like the first generation of working women, you know, and I would be in that category. I can remember in my first job at U.S. Steel, I would you know, I was the third woman the company had ever hired. And I so I was only with men. I had a boss that kind of looked like Lou Grant. And I know at times I would, you know, wouldn't know what to do in a situation. And I think, well, what would Mary do? You know, right. uh, she had spunk. Of course, yeah, you've got spunk, Julie. Of course, my boss did not react the way Lou Grant did. And there was no laugh track, so it didn't always go the same. But you just didn't have role models. She was right. it, even though she was. You shouldn't make your career choices or career moves based on a TV character. But that's all we had. That's all so we had. Yeah, so that's how we did. That's how we did it. Right, and 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 uh, it was interesting to note in like the eight hundred appreciations I read last week of her and her show and her you know production company and all the great work she did. And and let's not forget the funniest show of all time, the Dick Van Dyke Show. I mean, she was yeah. unbelievable in that. I remember when we spoke to Carl Reiner on Satellite Sisters, creator of the Dick Van Dyke Show. So I was already a Mary fan, and then and then that. But I was interested to learn that um, James L. Brooks and Alan Burns, who were the co-writers of the Mary Tyler Moore Show, they hired 25 women writers on that show in 1973. Oh. Of the seven, first of all, they had 75 mm-hmm. writers on the show. So if you're <laughs> wondering why the show was good, they had 75 writers, but 25 of them were women. And the first woman ever to get an individual Emmy for TV writing was one of the Mary Tyler Moore writers. Uh, wow. uh, and it was an episode she wrote about R- Rhoda losing 20 pounds, about women losing weight. And, and you think, like, why, why were Mary's experiences on that show? Did, why did they resonate? Why do we recall them? Why were you dipping back into the what would Mary do? Well, it's because they had women writers on the show. You know, it wasn't men pretending they knew what it was, what a big deal it was for Rhoda to lose 20 pounds or, you know, whatever Mary was doing and throwing a dinner party, which was one of my favorite episodes, Mary's (laughs) dinner party. So, but that is kind of astonishing. Like it made a huge difference in the quality of her character, you know, and how, how it was written on TV because there were actual women in the writer's room. So, uh, Mary, (laughs) Mary, we're going to come see you. I mean, (laughs) field trip. I mean, we're going to take a family picture. This is like (laughs) three birds with one stone, like Mary, mom, and dad. It's unbelievable. So I couldn't be happier unless Harriet the Spy gets buried there. That would be great. (laughs) Uh, That's great. Yeah, it, it is exciting. The, you know, another thing in the, oh, one thing, I, I recirculated, Jane Pauley, I'm sure you read it too, Leanne, right. did yeah. a great remembrance and uh, particularly re- recollecting like how much we all wanted that apartment, you oh, know? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I mean, yeah. Mary's apartment. Window. Oh, yeah, that was so great. The yeah, kitchen. With the, oh, with the, with, the big, with the big M on the walls. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted an M. Yeah, even though my name begins with a J, I wanted an I know, M. But last week I was texting back and forth with Monica, and she was like, I still want to go get that M. I think I'll go get an M. <laughs> Do it. Do it. And she did have an M on her gravestone or something, right? That was charming. And the picture, someone, the fans were already streaming in, presumably her fans and not Jason Robart's fans, but um, were already (laughs) streaming in to Oak Lawn Cemetery and someone had put an M on her gravestone, which I just thought was perfect. But again, J and E for Jim and Edna. If you're going, (laughs) just J and E. 
<laughs> all right. In in other entertainment news that relates to great role models for all of us, I was so 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 happy uh, Sunday night at the SAG Awards to see Hidden Figures win the award for best cast in a best cast in a motion picture because I had just seen that movie last week. I know a lot of Satellite Sisters on the Facebook group had seen it and loved it, so I went to see it. I mean, it is just really a fine inspirational movie, but like stay noisy sisters, that was just you could see how happy they were on stage together that they got to make this movie about a story about these fascinating women yeah. that we just never knew, right? How is it possible we, with all that has been written about the space program I know. that this never came out? And it is, uh, it is Tom it's based Wolf. on a true. Yeah. Tra- yeah. Thanks, Tom Wolf. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. They talk about the right stuff. Well, yeah. you forgot some of it. You forgot some of it, Tom, but uh, it was, it was an amazing. So from that point of view, it's really worth seeing. Uh, the acting is great. And uh, Kevin Costner has an excellent hairpiece in oh, that movie. Okay. Yes. He's Solid. under control. Lee, and here's the good news. He's under control. He plays a, in a very understated ro- role. And uh, and he's wearing a good head headpiece, so you, you, it's worth it. Go see it. And I'm happy I to see that. It, this... I found it. A... Go ahead. Liz. Go ahead, Liam. No, go ahead. I found it a little bit confusing that the guy from the Big Bang Theory was also a rocket scientist in the movie. That was <laughs> yeah. Oh well. <laughs> no, whatever. But in every other way, I just I just think it was a very entertaining and inspirational movie. Well, the woman who wrote the screenplay now has just signed a big production deal, and she's getting a lot of uh, positive feedback from that. So that's good to see, too. Uh, again, yeah. nice having a female writer there makes a, makes a difference in sort of how the story is told. So that's great. Okay. Well, they do high math in um, higher math in uh, Hidden Figures. But uh, here, I have a question for you, to sisters. This is sort of more low math, uh, more addition. On a scale of 1 to 10, how much it, does it bother you when you're in the checkout line and someone pulls out the checkbook to pay with a check? Leanne? 10. 10 oh, is the worst. Oh, Liz just buzzed right in. <laughs> I, I'm going to say this. If the person is over 80, it bothers yeah. me zero because yeah. I'm sure mom would have written a check, you know? Yeah. Uh, right. Actually, though, mom knew how to use the check card. But um, yeah. so I have a lot of patience. If the person is under 80, there is no excuse. <laughs> I mean, just <laughs> okay. especially get it going. Like they act like, oh, oh, okay, we're, we've completed the transaction. Oh, I should get the checkbook out now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, do you realize, I know, check check writing is, you know, it, it's sort of fading. You would think it's fading away, but do you realize that 17 billion checks are written a year? That's at grocery stores, Walmart, Target. So it may be a dying form of payment, but it's still not dead. Uh, and that many people view uh, a check as a safer point form of payment than either a debit or a credit card. Uh, so, but if you sense that it takes longer to write a check, you're correct. On average, it takes 67 seconds for a check to write a check, uh, in a, in a, like a grocery store, a Walmart, uh, transaction where if you're paying for cash, it's probably a 25 second transaction. And if you're going with a debit card, it's a 20 second transaction. But here's the thing. There are checkbook enthusiasts. There are people out there under the age of 80, Lynn, that really want to continue to use checks. 
they they really uh, on per, and they are happy to kind of slow down the line because the store doesn't want the line to be you know to to go slower but checkbook enthusiasts feel like it's old fashioned they want to take their time and they feel they are doing a service to others to slow down by making you stand in line i think 67 seconds is actually very low as an average amount of time yeah come on because that, that doesn't account for the time then they have to get their driver's license out of the <laughs> Okay. They think they're so, doing us a favor? A favor, yes. This so it's a, like the slow food movement? Slow just food, like- yeah. That these, these are, yeah. It just makes you, that, you know, you really don't need those extra two minutes in your day. That you can just stand there and wait. And uh, so it's, it's, kind of a, it's kind of a movement. I just... Uh, you know, if you see it out there, let me know. Um, I, you know, I think generally I, I tend to see older people right. using books, but Which I have uh, no problem with. No. Problem. Yes. Okay. Okay. That's Just a good rule. Want right. to go but, on the record with that, but but if you're going to write a check, don't get ahead of Leanne in line. That's <laughs> or Liz. It sounds like. Okay. Well, well, do you like yeah. standing? Who likes standing at the grocery no, store I an extra two no, minutes? I, I mean, no, I don't want to be singled out for this. It's no, no, I know. I don't yeah. want to, I don't want you to be singled out. I try to again, pat, they no. only have like two lines open now. So you're already been standing in line a while. And then, so, you know, just, <laughs> that's all. See, Julie, you know that Leanne has strong feelings about everything that happens inside a grocery yeah, store. Yeah, I, I know everything. she does. I know she does. Yeah. I know she does. Okay. All right. Okay. Well, I just, that's still a lot of checks out there. That's surprising how many, but I just don't understand why, but okay, fine. And I don't, I don't feel like they have a right to balance their checkbook while they're standing in line and writing the check (laughs) that I draw the line there. I get really mad. Okay. Here's, here's that. So that's one minor aggravation. I'm bringing you in the tidbit section today. Here's another one. A headline in the wall street journal. It's not you hotel thermostats are really are rigged. Okay, raise your hand if you've been in a hotel and it's either a hotel room and it's either too hot or too cold and you go to adjust the thermostat and you feel like you have either adjusted it up or down and still nothing happens. It still remains too hot or too cold. Does this happen to you? I'm Liz, raising my hand, yes. yes. Yes, I'm raising my hand. I'm I raising mean, both hands. Okay, so you know, remember in the old days, they used to have mechanical temperature sensors and fan switches. You know, you'd go over, you'd crank the knob, you'd turn the fan up, you'd turn the temperature down. Well, no, no. Now they have this, a lot of host hotels are using these um, these sensor systems that are, you know, they're Wi-Fi um, organized. And so, you know, they they even though they might have a control panel in the hotel room, it really might not have anything to do with the actual temperature that you have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that uh, if you're not in the room, these sensors, they have motion sensors that will, again, either reduce the heat or, you know, uh, reduce the air conditioning if they assume you're not in the room. So, for example, if you are a very sound sleeper, let's say you don't flail around at night, uh, but you lie very flat and still, many hotel uh, sensor systems will shut off the AC because they assume you're out of the room. Oh, really? Really, uh- really, really. <laughs> So it's gotten so bad that there are now sites that you can go to for thermostat bypass, like people, road warriors that are up there, you know, that they have, they have figured out how to outsmart these centralized uh, limits that hotels are imposing on you. 
Because if you really want the temperature in the room to be 64 degrees, um, this will this will tell you how you can bypass that by going to, to uh, going to the control panel. But it just makes me mad. I mean, one guy who was a big road warrior, he uh, travels with his own uh, temp, uh, his own alarm clock, but he also travels with his own uh, like a, a thermos, not a thermostat, but a temperature gauge. So, and he said in thermometers. 30- thermometer you know but not like a like a human yeah. thermometer you know to uh, a temperature gauge of some kind and he said in 30 percent of the rooms that he stayed in in a six-month period the the temperature was inaccurate it did not the temperature readings that he was getting off of his gauge did not match what was on the hotel thermostat okay he probably has a lot of other issues too right <laughs> Wow, I thought I had issues at a grocery store. Kind of attention to detail, but (laughs) wow, that would just make me madder and madder to even know that. I'd rather not know that if I was in the room. Okay, so really, what the the conclusion is just you can go ahead and push those thermostats, but just assume that in most cases you're doing it in vain. That they they're going to set the temperature for you. If you have a window, I would open the window. That's that's really (laughs) your best your best bet. (laughs) and then finally just some super good news okay as far as i'm consumed uh you know you've heard of turmeric Uh, this is supposed to be a wonder spice well guess what it is not it may not be the wonder spice after all isn't this good news because i hate turmeric okay and the university (laughs) of michigan did a big meta study of all these other studies and the results from it cast doubts on whether there are any significant health benefits to this spice. You know, they call turmeric is supposed to delay diabetes. It's supposed to ward off heart attacks. It's considered one of the top 10 superfoods. And people are putting it in their lattes and in their meals. And you can just stop because it's really not doing any good. <laughs> I think Sheila has like a 10-year supply of turmeric. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because yeah, the anti anything anti inflammatory, she's on it. You know. Yeah. 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 They okay. just really just don't think. You know. You know. It, it's not making any significant difference. So. Wow. What is Doctor Oz going to talk about? Isn't that <laughs> one of his? I think that's one of the planks in his main platform. It is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Well, I've been throwing cinnamon in my uh, protein shakes in the morning because he told me to like 27 years ago yeah. or something. Okay. So when they when they tell me that that has no magical properties, I can stop that because I really don't love the taste of cinnamon <laughs> either. But I, so anyway, okay. All right. All right. That's good, Julie. So you, uh, you've already taken kale off the list of things that are really well, good. Well, this is I'm so hopeful because I'm so hopeful <laughs> that kale, which you know is a superfood, that, that it's going to be busted sometime soon. And I hope the University of Minnesota gets to work on some big meta study on, uh, you know, on the fact that maybe kale in small amounts is okay, but we don't have to eat kale in everything. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. All right. Well, as long as we're talking about our health, can I give you a little update on Operation Sea Turtle with a twist? Sure. Uh, sure. So we talked about this last week that I was recommitting to Operation Sea Turtle. 
but because it had a major citrus element to it, Julia, you suggested that this iteration would be Operation Sea Turtle with the twist. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm going with that. And I've just put a twist in my whole life in the last week. So one of the things I really tried to focus on since last Tuesday when we had this conversation was the sort of mindfulness aspect of Operation Sea Turtle. Because remember, I chose the sea turtle for a reason. The peaceful, gentle, relaxed sea turtle. (laughs) That's why it wasn't just that it's a good swimmer and in general (laughs) lives a really long time. There was a calm, almost an inspirational quality to the way the sea turtle moved through its life that I emulated. So this week in the Mindfulness Edition, I tried two new things. Um, I went to a meditation class for the first time. Whoa, Liz. Because I've tried, you know, I listen to guided meditation sometimes at home, just in a podcast, but the I'm also distracted by all kinds of things. Just, you know, you start doing your, start doing your laundry. (laughs) That's the key to meditation. Yeah. Nailed it, Liz. You nailed it. (laughs) You should not be loading the dishwasher at the same time that you're listening to a guided meditation. So, so I signed up for this class and I was on the waiting list. So I had to wait to the very last minute to make sure that, you know, person number 12 in the class didn't turn up. So I got the slot uh, at the last minute. So I just sort of jumped in at the last minute, but here's what I did. It's just, I just threw my gym bag down in the corner, got down on like the mattress they had laid down I spent the entire one hour class worried about whether I had turned off my cell phone. <laughs> I, that's what it's, I was meditating yeah. on Liz, the, the entire no. time. Like, Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Any minute now my phone is going to ring. Why didn't well, I check? And then I started like, should I get up right now and go check or does that disturb everyone else? Really? That was my meditation in class oh. one. So I'm going to need to the, the, prep steps I'm going to need to be a little more mindful of so I don't spend the whole time doing that. So I have another class I'm going to tonight. So How maybe long even is the class? How long is one it? One hour. Oh, that's a long time. And do you lie down or sit? Oh. You can do either. I lied down. Yeah, it's they hard put to like sit. And what are these mattresses? Are they clean, Liz? Or I mean, well, you know, like, own cover? like anything in a gym. Well, you can put your own towel down on top of it. So. Okay. You know, it's just sort of a comfort. Because I'd be thinking about that. <laughs> well, then you don't want to go to the other thing I tried this week, which, which was a restorative yoga class, which is both of these things are generally just laying on the floor with someone talking to you in a soothing voice, right? Yeah. Uh, well, but- restorative is actually not usually gentle. I mean, sometimes it can, you're holding a position for a long time. And it can be a position that is kind of hard to hold for a long time, but you're using exactly props what I, and exactly stuff. what I discovered, Leah. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's not easy yoga. It's actually no. for practiced yogis. Yes, yes, yes. So that's why that was not an entirely successful no. adventure for me. Right. Because here's what happened. So the uh, this was at seven thirty on a Friday night. I figured what could be more relaxing, like an hour of laying on the ground in the dark. But on a Friday night, we'll be good. So, you know, but the the class is packed, which I didn't expect. Uh, And then she started with 
the corpse pose. What do they call that? Shavasana? Shavasana, yeah. Yeah. So normally, in a normal class, Lee, and I know you've been going to yoga for a long time, you end with that, right? That sort of calming Yeah, I mean, sometimes you do both. People, they'll just lie and you do some breathing and some guided meditation, but you always end with it. You always end with it. Well, she started with it. And then after a bit of that, she's like, okay, now everyone needs three blankets. I'm like, what the hell? What? (laughs) So then everyone in the class has to get up. And of course, it's, you know, Southern California. So it's competitive to go run and get the blanket. So that sort of blew any restorative (laughs) And what was the quality of these blankets, Liz? <laughs> exactly, Julie. I would not worry about that because I don't care about things like that. But if you do, if you care about the quality of the mattress in the previous class, then now you have these blankets. And I, I, I cannot speculate how often these blankets get laundered. I, I would only say that it's not often. So anyway, there was that. But And then... So then everybody gets settled back and we do that. But then, Leanne, exactly to your point, then the next pose was an inverted pose using with everyone using folding chairs. Yeah. Well, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So it's not for beginners. It's not it's not a gentle class. It's yeah. No. You hold the poses for a long time. So they do the work. Yeah. 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 Well. I'm just this is I quite would really... a journey you're on, Liz, to find the right, right spot. <laughs> it's quite a journey. <laughs> I'm just trying to quiet the monkeys in my temple or whatever phrase that is. Yeah. So uh, so I would say the meditation class has the potential to be successful. Restorative yoga, maybe not so. Maybe I'm not even ready to. I have nothing to restore yet. No. So Start with Jen. I have to. Yeah. And then the only other update on Operation Sea Turtle with the twist is uh, the relationship between me and my Fitbit. Uh, just want to say that um, two things. Uh, the Fitbit does not really seem to understand deep water aerobics because I went to a very active aerob- deep water aerobics class on Sunday and got almost no points for it. Yeah. So I'm yeah. not sure. I'm not sure what's going on with that. And then the my Fitbit is telling me that I'm sleeping at 91% efficiency. And I have no idea if that's good or bad. Is that good? Is that that's, bad? That's an A minus, and I know you're not happy with that, Liz. <laughs> well, I, yeah, but I, I don't, what does that mean? So I don't know. So I'm going to have to do a little research on that. So there you have it, Operation Sea Turtle with the twist, going back to meditation, maybe not so much restorative yoga, and I'm going to continue to uh, uh, learn how me and my Fitbit need to work a few things out. Excellent. Okay. All right. Well, here here's the part of the show where I tell you what I'm doing on Saturday that I haven't done oh. for 35 years. So, okay. Julie, you said you had a guest. Do you want to guess? Confession? You going to confession? No. First of all, I go to confession regularly. Okay. It's awesome. Okay. Everybody should. It's just such a wow. huge relief. Uh, it's fantastic. You think that's better than meditation or restorative yoga? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's it's on par with restorative yoga and meditation lists. It's a soul. It's a soul detox, basically. So I'm all for it. Uh, so I'm all good with that. No, okay, uh, Liz, do you have a guess or no? I do not. Okay. So uh, 35 years ago, I was in high school. May I give you a little hint? And um, I am actually performing a dance number on stage on Saturday. <laughs> you are? Yeah. I have what, been what, under under what guise? As I who? I started. Uh, 
I, my friend Drew, who often talks me into things I usually don't follow through with, like scrapbooking or uh, Mary Kay sales, things like that. Uh, <laughs> she has been ballroom dancing for about five or six years. And she said, hey, my ballroom dance teacher does these fun dance classes on Tuesday afternoon. And we just learned the choreography to one number. It's not ballroom. He, he also teaches hip hop. She's like, we, it just, we just learned the choreography for one number. And she, and I said, well, that sounds great. The, the timing is perfect. I have been looking around to get back into a dance class. Because remember, my theme for the year is keeping it real. And I've always loved dance. I, I More so than any kind of aerobics exercise or anything, an actual dance class. And um, and so I went and we, we started learning uh, the choreography to Bruno Mars' 24 Karat Magic, which I will oh. add on to the end of the show if you're not familiar with the tune. And on the second class, they said, okay, well, the performance night is February 4th. Or I was like, what performance? Like, performance. I did not know I was signing up for a stage show. But no, <laughs> we, it's a whole dance thing on Saturday afternoon. My band, my girl gang uh, are, are from Pasadena, we are performing in addition to other choreography from this uh, particular dance teacher. So we, we have costumes. We had to Okay, buy. well, yeah, I have to ask the Sheila question. What are you wearing? Yeah. What are you wearing? <laughs> well, we're supposed to look like we're supposed to look like a girl gang, Julie. So that nothing nobody <sighs> looks less like a girl gang than a bunch of middle-aged women from Pasadena. But we're doing <laughs> right. it. I mean, we're doing our best. We got we had to get oversized black jackets and, you know, dance pants and we were going to wear high heels, which was problematic for my bunions. But um but then <laughs> we switched we switched to just sneakers. So I got a new pair of sneakers, some cool black sneakers. And then we have baseball caps that are sequined, Julie. I think you're going to like it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, Leanne. Bring and back the 80s. We got, okay. we got some oh gold. God, I have got to come to this. We got gold chains. We got big gold earrings. And we're doing it. We're the opening number. And, and I I don't want to say it, but I'm kind of the dance captain because <laughs> I, I'm in the front, like the whole time. And... You know, I danced a lot in growing up in middle school, high school, did a lot of yes. hip hop classes, jazz, did all the school musicals, went into New York and took dance classes. One of my best friends, her mom was our dance teacher. So I just took a lot of dance classes and all through college I danced and I've always taken dance classes. And there's a lot of- Julie, most- did you remember that about Leanne? No, 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 no I know. didn't know that she had quite the deep background in <laughs> no, dance. That you don't she know just, that. Uh, None just of you know before. that. But again, I wasn't really paying attention right. to her, you know, so- Good for you, Leon. Yeah. I, I only see you dance at weddings. Yeah. And you're, you know, you are, you, you know, you, you really, you take over the dance floor. Yeah. So, uh, so that's good. So, but dance is muscle, a lot of muscle memory. You know, if you learn, it's like learning a language when you're little, you can pick it up faster. And so when you learn the combinations, I pick up combinations quickly, you know, 32 count combinations. I can do that. So, and some of these other women, I think they took up dancing later in life. So I, I seem to be the dance guy. I mean, the dance captain, which is hard. Please, to please, there has to be a video of this. No, Somebody, there will be no video. We have to. There will be no video. But I have to say, it has really been fun. And what I appreciate, like we have two rehearsals this week, an extra rehearsal, and we're rehearsing for extra time, uh, full dress this afternoon. And um, what I appreciate is... Most of the so women. you're driving around Pasadena in this outfit, Leanne, yeah. as you go? <laughs> We're doing it. We're 
We're going out to dinner after our rehearsal today, my girl gang and I. Oh, yeah, 24-karat magic, Joel. And uh, what I appreciate is the dance, our dance teacher, Piero, is, of course, his name, uh, Piero. Oh. Uh, he's this adorable boy in his twenties, you know, teaching these, these ladies how to hip hop and ballroom dance. God bless them. But he treats us like dancers. So I like that. Like even, <laughs> even though we are not Broadway quality dancers, he yells at uh-huh. us like we are like Debbie Allen. He's yelling at us and making us do things over again. And, and, you know, we're trying to do body rolls, which I couldn't even do in 1984, <laughs> but I'm trying it. I'm doing it. I have some body rolls. Oh, <laughs> no. I have a few extra body rolls than, uh, than I did in 18. Wow, you are living out of fantasy, Leanne. I know, love this. It's been really fun. Like, I just, it's been enjoyable to get back dancing. I, I did not really, honestly, when he said perform, I was like, what is happening? I, did, I thought this was just a dance class. But, like, last, in the fall, they learned the choreography to the entire thriller number and then Ooh. they performed it on someone's front lawn uh on halloween night they had six shows <laughs> they You're went kidding. to isn't that fun doesn't that sound fun that's fantastic yeah it does sound good that would be good because leon because you're at some point your sons will get married and so that would be good at the mother mother son <laughs> yeah dance you're right oh yeah the thriller you can start now you can do it leon <laughs> that is so exciting, Leanne. I'm very excited so, for Liz, you. I do, you need to text me all the details. I do have a ticket. Like, first of all, we had to buy tickets or people were spent to tickets. Who buy is tickets. going to be in the audience? To, Who to is going to pay to watch me dance, Julie? Sure, I think. <laughs> pay? So. Who would you, so don't worry. I bought tickets. I didn't expect my people to come. But, you know, I think my husband's going to be there. I asked my friend Julie and Elizabeth from down the street. She, She indicated that she did a certain level of interest. Liz, I, you know, putting yeah. it out there, three o'clock Saturday afternoon, girl gang, body rolls, <laughs> so, getting down. I, I, I think maybe we should consider adding this as act two to our April 22nd event <laughs> in Santa Monica. Act one could be the reading, performing, the more literary part of it. Act two, Liam's dance girls. party. Yeah, yeah. Can you get your girls in their caps? To sure. Come? Get, get them to come. Yeah, get them to come. And yeah, that it's just good. oh, it's pretty. Okay, funny. that's good. Then I know what to get you for your birthday. You just need a boombox, Leanne. Is that it? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So okay. I got, I got a big rehearsal. I'm very happy for you. It sounds like this Thank will you. really, really be fun for you. <laughs> it will be fun. All right. What? Oh, also this weekend Super Bowl. Uh, just, I had two two quick bowl stories. Okay, first of all, you know, everybody gets what a wedding, a, a salad bowl for their wedding, right? So ours mm-hmm. finally cracked. Finally gave up the ghost, yeah. the one we got for our wedding. So we went in search of another salad bowl this weekend, and we ended up at Macy's. Where I, I mean, I love Macy's. I admit it. Like because as our mother used to say, they have the same item in five different price zones. You know, she's right. Price different price points. So long story short. We ended up at the, uh, thanks to the saleswoman, the astute saleswoman, uh, at the clearance table where she said, oh, there's a really nice Martha Stewart salad bowl on sale over there. I just put it over there. I found it in the back. It was a wedding return. We went over. It was a $120 bowl marked down to $17. Well, well there's no way my husband's saying no to that. I mean, even if he hated <laughs> yeah, the bowl. Yeah, he's, he's a bargain he's hunter. He's like, 
Okay, you guys, this salad bowl is so big. We're going to need to add an addition to the kitchen. Like, I don't know what we were thinking. We got it home. I was like, we, this is like, we could fit a small car in this salad bowl. It is so big. We, we lost all perspective. All we heard was $17 and 50 cents. So I want to invite you all over for salad someday because I can literally make salad for the entire neighborhood in this bowl. You see, you need an empty nester salad bowl now (laughs) just for the two of you. You do. You do. Well, we could nest in this salad bowl. We could we could sleep in this salad bowl. I think it's so big. <laughs> okay. I mean, it's just huge. Although we've used it twice and it looks nice. It's a beautiful salad bowl, but it just made me laugh. Like we could not say no to that. And that's the way men are. Well, what? We can save 90%? We'll take it. <laughs> Even if it's so big. But okay, Super Bowl this weekend, uh, Falcons Patriots. I, I did see a funny thing on uh, on Twitter, a, a meme, a graphic, and it showed like people rooting for the Falcons, and the three percent slice of the pie was actual Falcon pan- fans, and the other ninety seven percent was people who hate the Patriots. So, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, who are you rooting for? Do you care? I, I can't say I care, but I'm definitely rooting for the Falcons. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm with you, Leanne. Sliz, I know we have. Many Patriots fans who yes, listen, we we you're, do. you know, you're, and you're, you're proud of your Patriots. Yes. You post about it all the time. Yep. I support people who love their team, but you know, I, I'm sorry. I just can't get on board with the, uh, <clears throat> with the Patriots. So even though I have no feelings at all about the Atlanta Falcons, <laughs> right, I couldn't, there's, yeah, see, I hate, I hate the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, wow. So, strong words. Because, yes, because they, they're in the same league as my beloved New Orleans Saints. Oh, okay. So, okay, so, oh, okay. so that's where I go. So my geometry is of the two teams. I'm, I'm for the Patriots. Anything to have the Falcons lose is the way I, I view the world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay, good. So you know, sometimes you have to rise above your principles, you know, and <laughs> and support things that that don't make sense. But that's what I'm going for. All right, that is our show for today, Liz. Do you want to mention again the Santa Monica date is April 22nd. We'll all be at the Santa Monica Public Library at two two in the afternoon. Yeah, that that's correct? at two in the afternoon on Saturday, April 22nd. We're working on a few more details. We'll be sharing with you. But you know, really, if you just want to have a fun Satellite Sisters weekend with your friends, you live in the LA area, or you want to come into a nice sunny place, uh, we will we'll, the book fair that is going on at USC that same weekend. We'll figure out a meetup after the event at the library. Clearly, we're going to have to dance from the library to <laughs> wherever the meetup is. Leon will be leading the dance party now. Uh, but uh, we will provide more details as we kind of nail them down. But April 22nd, we are really looking forward to all five sisters uh, being together for that event. Great. Okay. Okay. Anything there else? You have it. Anyone got anything else? That's Maybe. it. Do anything? Just have a good Even week, sisters. Speaking of something that I haven't done in 30 years, on Thursday night, I'm going uh, to the Golden State Warriors Los Angeles Clippers game with a friend who I have not who I have not seen since the '90s, sisters. Wow, this wow. is this is what's so great. Yeah. The, this is an old college friend who's just a huge Warriors fan. Oh, cool! And oh, cool. she had tickets to this game in LA. She lives in Oakland, and she was bringing her son, who at the last minute couldn't come because of an exam at college. So out of the blue, I got a phone message from her like, hey, it's me. 
<laughs> Any chance you're going to be home in Los Angeles on Thursday and want to go to the game with me? So we talked on the phone, and I was like, Lauren, when was the last time? I mean, we've emailed occasionally, and I was like, when was the last time we actually saw each other? And she thought, and we realized it was like the mid-90s. So <laughs> Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I'm very excited. This is going to be fun. I mean, the basketball will be fun and everything. Yeah. But much yeah. more, much more fun to reconnect with a, you know, with an old friend. We, she said, but I've been listening to the podcast all the way along. I'm like, okay, so you know everything about me, and I know nothing about you. So I just, I'm apologizing in advance if the whole night is me asking you questions because you already know. She's like, don't worry, I understand. So that's my very exciting event on Thursday night. Wow. All right. All right. Leanne's yeah. dancing and Liz is going to basketball. <laughs> I mean, whoa. <laughs> All right. So thanks everyone for hanging in. Remember the, uh, you know, we're, we're the satellite sisters. We're here to kind of explore things the way we set up uh, in the very beginning of today's show. And, you know, don't forget, do the same with your own satellite sisters. Tonight.